So today I'm going to talk about uh, five ways of looking at the world, and in particular looking at our life. Uh, and it all started with uh, the Buddha. Let me, I'm going to change my, uh, it all started with the Buddha when he went into the city with uh, Chana, the charioteer. And, and he saw a, a couple things that forever changed the way he would experience his life. He saw an old person, he saw a sick person, he saw a dead person, and he saw a monk, a mendicant, someone who had renounced the world, wearing all white, seemed uh, calm and reflective in the chaos that the future Buddha Siddhartha had just seen. And, and so, in Buddhism, we have something called the five remembrances or the five reflections or the five ways of looking at our life. And, and oftentimes in our daily practice, we might add this and, and say this every day. It's short and sweet uh, and to the point. And, and the first reflection is, uh, I am of the nature to get old. I have not gone beyond getting old. Now, being old is a relative uh, way of looking at your life. Uh, if you're looking at somebody who's 90 and you're 60, you may not be old yet. But if you're looking at somebody who's 30 and you're 60, in their eyes, you are old. Now, old internally doesn't change very much, I have found as I go through the years, that it's simply, I pretty much feel the same way I did when I was 40 and 50 and 60 uh, inside. But when I look at the outside, I notice something happened, something changed. And you have less hair, you know, yeah, a couple more wrinkles. You don't have quite as much energy as you did before. Uh, your strength is about half as much as you had when you were 25. and. And yet, internally, it's just a very slow, gradual process of not really ever feeling old, just feeling different. But we haven't gone beyond getting old. And the older we get, the less time we have. And with the less time, it seems to me to be a wonderful incentive of, of what do I want to do? Have, have I done it yet? Do I have a bucket list? Do I want to close a few things up? Have I made up my will yet? Those kind of things uh, tend to become more important as we age uh, externally. And, and then there's always that, that idea that, well, you know, tomorrow will always be here. Uh, I've never missed a tomorrow. And so that's good. That gives us confidence that we have a day, a week, a month, or a year that we can do a lot of stuff or not do anything at all. And, and, and that's a nice feeling. But as we go through the five remembrances or the five reflections, you'll find that that isn't necessarily uh, ultimate truth, even relative truth. So the second remembrance is I am of the nature to get sick. I have not gone beyond sickness. And and I had somebody the other day talk to me about it's our right to have uh, medical care. It's our right as a human being to have medical care. 
Well, you know, I looked back and saw that for a really long time, uh, we didn't have rights at all. We had duties. We had the duty to the parents or the duty to the wife or the duty to the children or the duty to the employer. And the employer had duties to the employee and it went on and on and on. But nowhere in, in there did I see, I have a right to do this, I have a right to do that. And, and we in America have sort of gone to the place where we have inalienable rights, that we have the right to be happy. Well, maybe, depends what kind of happiness you're looking for, I suppose. But I much prefer if somebody's talking about medical care to say, it is a necessity to have medical care because we have not gone beyond sickness. Even the Buddha said about his monks, they have the four requisites and one of them is medicine. So long, long ago, the Buddha recognized the fact that we do get sick and we always will get sick. And now we're in the middle of a pandemic and there are a whole lot of people who are sick and a whole lot of people who are dying. And it's an interesting way of looking at that reflection that most of the time, um, we may not be sick at all. And if we do get sick, it may be the cold or a flu and we take our vitamins and get a little rest and we're ready to go. But there are oftentimes sickness that, that takes our life or, or uh, makes it really uncomfortable to live. And this is when the necessity of healthcare becomes really important. Now we haven't gotten there yet as a country there are some countries that have recognized the fact that healthcare is a necessity, uh, even more than a right. And, and I think we're going in that direction. But being an old guy like myself, I have Medicare. And, and how wonderful is that, you know, to say, well, hey, I got Medicare and I can get vaccinated anytime I want, except there's not enough vaccine to vaccinate everybody. So somebody said the other day, when are you going to get vaccinated? And I said to them, well, when there's a vaccine that's available. <laughs> so I, I look at the Kaiser Permanente website and they say, not yet, not yet. Take your vitamins, get some exercise. We can't vac vaccinate you yet. So even with the necessity of healthcare, even when you do have healthcare, Sometimes it still isn't available because we got 7 billion people who need healthcare. That's an awful lot of folks. And I, to be honest with you, after watching the news day after day, week after week, and seeing the needle go into the arm, I don't know how many more needles I can take going into arms. It's just really, uh, <laughs> man. And then they stick that thing up your nose. How many times can we see that? You know, um, but it's a gentle reminder that when vaccine becomes available, we need to get vaccinated. And sometimes you just got to stick things up your nose to see if you're healthy or not. So healthcare, I am the nature to get sick. I have not gone beyond sickness. Wow, man, bummer. Number three of the reflections. I am of the nature to die. I haven't gone beyond death. 
Well, isn't it interesting that, that oftentimes nirvana is looked at the deathless state where there is a place we can go beyond death and birth, and that would be nirvana, which is unborn and undying. So we have that rather interesting concept in Buddhism that there really isn't any beginning and there really isn't any end. But you know what, at the relative level, everybody dies. In a hundred years from now, of the seven billion people that now exist and walk on this earth, only a very small percentage will still be alive. They'll all be in the ground or cremated or thrown in the ocean and, and we'll have probably 10 billion taking their place and maybe even more. So, so death is definitely a part of our life and important to reflect on. The more we reflect on death, the more we come to an understanding that it can be our co-pilot, that if we put death on our shoulder, it allows us to engage every day in a special, unique way. That this could be the last day of my life. We don't know. I may not even be able to watch the Super Bowl, but I might be dead by then. Oh, no. I know, I know Reverend Kashanti's bummed out about that, but it's just like, man, yeah. How, how long do I have, you know? And, and, and will I be ready for it? Will it surprise me? Will I be in a car accident and all of a sudden my life is snuffed out? Or will I die in a slow, uncomfortable way? How many different ways do people die? I said to myself. And the answer was 7 billion different ways. We all die in our own special way. And some of us are ready and most of us aren't. So how are you going to prepare for death? Well, I think one of the ways to do it is to reflect on it. That every time you meditate, you sit down and you die into the moment. And for 15 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes, you're not going to watch TV. You're not going to have watermelon. You're not going to do anything. It's just sit there. You're going to let your, your life die. And then you'll resurrect it again when the gong rings and meditation is over. So how does it feel to let go of everything for 20 minutes? And can we extend that to how does it feel to let go of everything forever? Now, forever is an interesting concept because perhaps there isn't a forever. There's just a eternal moment. But how do we do that? How do we feel comfortable in letting go? And the, the, the fourth reflection is a way of practicing. The fourth reflection is everything I love, cherish, and want to hold on to will be taken away from me. And the culprit is impermanence and change. So we got a taste of that in the first one. I'm of the nature to get old. So I'm of the nature to change every day, every moment of every day. Everything in my life is changing every moment of every day. When I get sick, my, my good health is changing into not so good health. When I die, my life is changing into death. When I attach to my car or my house or my golf clubs, when those get taken, stolen or broken, 
I am a little bit bummed out because I thought that I owned them and I would have them for the rest of my life. So as I look around after 71 years of what I still have, I, I find that almost everything I had 30 years ago is gone. You know, uh, it either broke or I can't find it or I wanted something better. And, and it continues to show me if I'm watching carefully that everything I'm really attached to will only cause me suffering because ultimately it has to leave. Ultimately, it has to go away. And one of the saddest events is when you see a couple who's been married for 47 years and one of the partners dies and you go, man, you know, and I'm sure when they got married, they weren't thinking, well, either you or I are going to die first and I'm going to appreciate you while you're in my life. But ultimately, I know you won't be. How do you get used to that idea? How do you get ready for that? And oftentimes, and I'm sure you've heard the story that the, the wife dies and a week later, the husband dies. They were so connected and, 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 and so important to each other and had created one out of two that they couldn't figure out how to exist when the other one was gone. So what are we to do as Buddhist meditators when it comes to letting go of stuff? Again, our meditation practice is a wonderful opportunity to practice letting go, to be in the moment, to be here now. And if the phone rings, don't answer it. If the hunger pains come, don't eat. If the knee hurts, try not to move it. It's only 20 minutes. It's only a half hour, but it really allows you to see how everything can come into your life and can be and can go out of your life in just those 20 minutes. And as soon as we attach to something, as soon as we attach to a, a, a mind state that's pleasant, or as soon as we have aversion to a, a physical pain that, that causes us suffering, that aversion and that attachment causes us to suffer. And when we're too attached to anything, it ultimately will cease to exist in the way we are attached to it. And we're going to have to get used to that by letting go. How can I let go? And, and, and that's the practice of meditation is letting go of everything for 20 minutes. So the meditation practice we find ourselves doing either on a daily, weekly or monthly basis is preparing us, preparing us for old age is preparing us for our sickness that will be inevitable. It's preparing us for our death, which we can't sidestep or run away from. It's allowing us to see the nature of our life in a very realistic, relative way that to be born is a gift, but that gift is always taken away sooner or later. And and finally, the most important part of these five reflections is uh, I am the owner of my karma. Whatever I have thought, said, or done, the consequences will be mine. Now, karma gets really confusing to people, but it's a re relatively easy uh, concept if you just break it down to its fundamental parts. Number one, 
whatever I think, say, or do. It's activity. Thinking is an activity. Saying is an activity. Doing is an activity. And everything we say, think, and do will ultimately have a consequence. And for a Buddhist, the consequence will be either good, less suffering, or it will be bad, more suffering. So good and bad turns out to be more suffering or less suffering from a Buddhist perspective. Because we are able to create karma, we are able to change the course of the consequences of old and past karma if it hasn't manifested yet in our life. And this is one of the special aspects of Buddhism that I really enjoy, that to a certain extent, we are in charge by what we choose to think, say, and do. Now, the choice isn't always obvious. The choice can be, what am I going to do today? And then, what am I going to do today that will be skillful, that will reduce my suffering? Maybe I shouldn't eat any cookies today because that's rather unskillful and the consequences ultimately will be 25 pounds. Okay, so we're looking at what we're doing today and we're trying to apply it to our life and to our future, even though there isn't a future when tomorrow comes, it's ultimately today. And when next week comes, it's ultimately today. And when next year comes, it's ultimately today. But because we've been given the gift of thinking in past and future, we can project and say to ourselves, what I do today will have a significant impact on what happens to, to me tomorrow, even though there isn't a tomorrow, which is the best part about Buddhism. It makes no sense at all. It's just like a big poem that we're trying to figure out. You know, there is no self, but the self says there is no self. Okay, wow, man, this is so cool. There will be no tomorrow. There will only be many todays. Okay, I got that now. And so as we look at all the different ways of living and being in the world, karma can be our best friend. Karma is something that will allow us to have a skillful, wholesome, happy life if we use it to our advantage. And in order to use it to our advantage, we need to understand what it is and how it works. Now, another aspect of karma that's often overlooked is that karma is the only thing that travels with us lifetime to lifetime. I don't care how much money you have. You know, we had a, a lottery that was almost a billion dollars. If you were to win the lottery, you would have almost won a billion dollars. And I'm thinking to myself, I am not going to enter the lottery. I do not want a billion dollars. If I got a billion dollars, I'd have to get a lawyer and an accountant. I'd have to change my name and move someplace where nobody could find me. And then I'd be dead in a couple of years and all that money would be left behind and everybody I knew and didn't know would be fighting over it. And please, I want to keep my life simple. Just give me a dollar. Don't give me a billion dollars because I don't want to be involved in having to, to hand out, get rid of, or get attached to all that money. So can we use our karma to understand 
that if I go into another lifetime, or should I say when I go into another lifetime, that that'll be my friend, that that's, that's how I'm going to get started. Now, you've heard the story of somebody that just has a wonderful beginning. They're born in Palos Verdes and their parents are successful and they've got a wonderful house and a dog and they get to look at the ocean. And like 30 years later, they're in prison because they were trying to get more money or they killed somebody or they did this or they did that. So karma requires us to stay on top of it. We, we can't just relax into good karma because it has the tendency not to be good if we don't continue to be skillful. So we need to be skillful our whole life. We never come to a point where I've been skillful enough and I'm just gonna rest on my laurels. Everything will be fine because of all the stuff I've already done. Every day we have to do it. You've heard the story of the people that were born in South Central and they had nothing and their parents were drug addicts and yet they turned out to be a a jazz musician and successful and well-known and plenty of money and they helped their parents and they so when we are born our karma determines how we start but not how we finish so we need to continue practicing meditation reading the dharma practicing the five precepts being kind being generous and all that will enable us to have a good rebirth. Now, you don't even have to think about rebirth as being real. You can just say, all this will allow me to have a good life. And I'll die in a happy, fulfilled way. And whatever happens after that will happen. Now, personally, I would like to take about, oh, a couple hundred human lifetimes in heaven just to relax, just to sort of kick back, enjoy the environment, and then come back again to earth and start up the, the practice of having good karma, being skillful, being kind, because it's a lot of work. You know, you never get a day off from karma. You, you can't take the weekend off. You know, you, you gotta wear your mask. You gotta keep six feet away. You gotta wash your hands. That's sort of our, our karma these days that's what we need to do and 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 eventually that will change into something else but there's always something to do so buddhism for me has never been a religion that we believe in buddhism is a religion that helps us do things shows us how to do things skillfully buddhism is an activity and having that activity as part of your life only enhances it, only makes it better, not worse. And you never run out of things to do. So to go back over the five, I am of the nature to get old. I have not gone beyond getting old. I am of the nature to get sick. I have not gone beyond sickness and disease. I am of the nature to die. I cannot avoid death. I understand that everything I love, cherish, and want to hold on to, that I'm attached to, will be taken away, whether I want it to be taken away or not. Whether I hold on to it or fight for it, it will still be taken away. And last but not least, karma is my friend. 
karma is the thing I work on in this lifetime and carry into the next lifetime. Karma is something that's so important for a Buddhist to understand and do and feel the results and the consequences of all that activity, skillful, wholesome, good, whatever word you want to use. So those are the five reflections. If you can write that down or you can find it on Google, if you, if you decide to memorize those, not too hard to memorize them, and just reflect on them every day, every week, every month. It will change the way you look at life. It will make you um, understand that your Buddhist practice is a gift and the reward is happiness and peace.